Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, Jean Ginsberg here and welcome back to the podcast. Very excited today. We have a special guest, Jonathan Schroyer. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jean. Appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Yes. Thank you for being here. Love to uh, jump in. First question, I like to give our audiences some context. So tell us about your background and yeah, what you do. So I I, I kind of say like my background is I started off in customer service on the phones back in the 90s and I kind of fell in love with helping people. And so I've been in the service industry, I guess 20, 25 years. I've, I've worked with large companies like Microsoft and you know, like Symantec. I've also founded my own company, Officium, and I sold that to Arise last year, which is the company I work for now, Arise Virtual Solutions. Uh, but I've been in the service area thinking about how do you create you know, great experiences for customers and how do you help them get back to what they love, which is obviously the product that they purchased. So it's not, that's kind of been my passion for the last 20 some odd years. Great. So customer service. Okay. So the, how does that feed into the company that you founded and then now the company that you work for? So Officium Labs was a company that I founded in July 2019. And we had this idea, uh, the couple of different things that we were thinking about. One was we'd worked with at so many different companies. And the, the same thing that we found when we went to a new job is customer service or customer experience was always broken. And so we would fix it. And then we'd have fun, we'd enjoy it, and we'd go to the next company and fix it and so forth and so on. And so that, well, what if we created a company full of expert practitioners who have been doing this for 20 some odd years and then invent a framework to help all of these CX leaders across the globe to once and for all just fix CX and deliver amazing CX and customer service you know, for their customers and whatnot. And so that's what we did. And then we had that component of it. And then the second piece was, we were really thinking about the future of work, and this was pre-pandemic, but we were really thinking about the future of work and where it was headed. And so we launched a completely remote company with no headquarters, no physical facilities, where everybody was working remote. And we thought, well, let's try that out as we launched you know, this future of service you know, company as well. So that was the idea behind it. We, were, we got $150,000 loan. Uh, we started off and we were really fortunate to be profitable in two or three months. And then, you know, you know, fast forward two years later, Arise uh, Virtual Solutions purchased us. Um, and at that time, we had 35 clients. We had, you know, you know, more than a few hundred people in the company, super successful. So it kind of told us that the market was ready for what we were doing and was interested in what we were doing. And then we Arise has helped us to kind of take it to the next level. And so inside Arise, I run the gaming division, the consulting division, uh, which really focuses on the in gaming, it's the frontline customer service, game, game testing, and consulting. It's generalized general CX consulting across all verticals. 
So, uh, so it sounds like you are solving for customer experience or, uh, yep. or uh, customer service. So tell me what is the problem that you guys are looking or have, are, have been solving for, I mean, what is the, I mean, there's a lot of problems with customer experience and customer support, <laughs> but what specifically are you guys doing? <laughs> well, I, I like to keep it simple because it's a fairly complex field. I think there's two ways that you solve in the customer experience area. I think one is uh, asking simple questions. So this is what I like to do in my lab is, how do you protect customer revenue? How do you protect customer from leaving? So that's one thing. And, and, and then the second is, how do you optimize your business so that you can become a profitable business? running a profit, you know, an optimized customer experience organization. So I think about protect and optimize. And so when you think about protect, you look at, you know, what's the entire journey that a customer has from the time that they, not from the time that they purchase, but from the time that the designers and the developers are designing the experience that those customers are going to have. And then from the time they purchase to the time they leave, right? So that's, that's the whole protect component. There's a whole host of things that are inside of that. And the optimized piece is really looking at your business. And for a lot of mid-sized to large companies that have been around for a long time, they have a lot of legacy processes that are no longer optimized. They're legacy tools and technology that are no longer optimized. And so there's a huge opportunity, whether it's in the AI space, process methodology, optimization space, where we can help them you know, work smarter, work faster, you know, work cheaper, but still deliver high quality work. So those are the two areas that we find that customers are most interested in kind of as I think about the next generation of service. And what kinds of organizations do you work with? Like B2B, B2C, all kinds, small, big, large? It tends to be B2B. Uh, we we have a, a, a kind of a, depending on the product that you know we sell, the enterprise clients really like the transformation piece of consulting. Like where are they going? They, they want to go through transformation. They want to protect, they want to optimize. They also like the, the second part of our business, which I haven't dug too, too much into, is we have a completely on-demand frontline customer service and game testing team. So they like that, you know, that we're on-demand, we can flex up and down based off of their volume needs. So they really love that. Startups tend to like, like, hey, how do I start customer service? How do I start game testing? Uh, you know, I built this amazing product, but I don't have that skill set. Can you come in? Can you help me start it and run it? And by the way, can you do it? in a cost-effective way, and then kind of mid-sized companies are in between, right? So we, we tend to find that uh, across the frontline business, it's everybody, and across the consultative business, it tends to be right at the beginning of startup, and then when they get to kind of larger mid-sized to enterprise when they're going through that big transformation. Um, awesome. So perhaps you can maybe share for audiences a um, an, an example of an application, right? So I'm a startup, and I'm like... I have a customer experience problem. What would be the like a typical problem, and then how do you guys solve for that? And maybe you can touch about talk about some of the things that you touch as you kind of go through the process. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. The uh, so one thing that I like to do with startup companies is nine out of ten startups I go to, I say, hey, can you tell me what you're doing in customer service as an example? And they've got a Gmail box that somebody in product is answering. And that's their okay. customer service. Right? So they don't typically don't have a customer service like person they, or group. they don't have they don't have a person, they don't have a strategy, they haven't even thought about it. And okay. what ends up happening is they don't think about it because they're focused on product. 
And then all of a sudden the product blows up. And now all of a sudden they have one person answering thousands of tickets and they're like, oh, we're up a creek without a paddle. How do we solve for customer service? And they're always behind from that perspective. So what I like to do is I've I've patented and trademarked a service stack maturity model. And what I do with these startup leaders is I take them through a day-long workshop and I say, and I talk through what their mission, their vision is, what their core values are. What's that brand, that tone that they want to talk to their customers in? And then what's the most important part of their product that they want the customers to enjoy every day? And then we talk about how to build the operations underneath that as they scale. So then when they do hit that scale point, then they're already prepared to service those customers and get high satisfaction, high MPS. Low, low kind of customer effort and so forth. So then they drive that sticking. So that's an example of what we've done with a number of companies. And then how would you implement it then? Like, is it based on a platform that you have or is it on strategy and consulting? Like what would be some of the things that you, like in, from an implementation process do? So for a startup, what we tend to do is, I, I think of the world as a network um, and so I don't believe that one company has to solve all the problems for, for a company. And so I have partnerships with competencies that are outside of mine, usually technology partnerships, CRM partnerships, right? We, we do really well with human capital, but we know that there's other skills out there that startup companies are going to need to do. So what we do is, is we introduce the, we help them build the strategy. We say, this is the roadmap. This is the scale. We'll help you with the human capital. And these are our partners that we know do a really good job on CRM. These are the partner that does a really good job on automation. This is a partner that does a really good job on connecting the back end of your product with the CRM, like Tableau or something like that, right? So we introduce we introduce those products into their tech stack. And, and then we manage that experience for them until they get to a size where they're big enough to hire like a director or a CS leader. And then the CS leader takes over. And eventually they manage the technologies and then we're just the human capital piece, right? So that's the way that we work with the startup. If we were working with a larger enterprise, rather than building the entire strategy, well, they already have a strategy in place, right? And so what we do is we have an eight pillar assessment where we, we assess how they're doing across those eight pillars. You have hundred features and we tell them whether they're basic standard or best in class. And then we identify if you become best in class, this is how you, how you demonstrate that your customer service, your customer experience team is a profit center. And if you want to become a profit center, these are the features inside the pillars that you need to deliver. And this is the transformation plan to do it. And if you want us to help you, then we'll project management and provide the resource to do that. But if you feel like you have what you need, then great, here's your two-year roadmap, go and make it happen, right? So it just depends on what their appetite is and what they're wanting you to do. But those are two examples of types of engagements where we've helped customers protect and optimize their business. Right, and do you use a certain platform or or your own platform or do you just use any sort of customer support platforms that are best in class? So we tend to, so our our framework is our IP and that's our, our, our kind of our patent, right? Framework and methodology, but we're agnostic to the platform. That way we can help any customer with the platform that they're currently using. Generally speaking, most platforms, whether CRM platforms, tech platforms, and so forth, there's a lot of similarities between them. Um, so the, the the difficulty of moving a customer from one platform to the next right. is really hard, especially if it's a platform that's been there for three or four years. 
plugging in a framework that will help them get more out of their platform and get more out of their human capital operations is a lot more seamless and a lot easier to, to make impact faster. And so that's the approach we tend to take. Great. So um, I, I wanted to, sh uh, to talk a little bit about some of your wins. Sounds like the acquisition, definitely a win. And what was the um, catalyst or I guess, you know, what was the connection between the company that you founded and, and then the company that uh, was that you that acquired your <laughs> company? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting to me, like the I'm, I'm always like a lifetime learner. And I think there's a lot of people out there kind of like that, right? And I started a company because I wanted to know, well, what does it feel like to start a company? What does it feel like to found a company? How, like, what do you what do? you do? Because I had been a VP or executive at large companies for some time in the service area. And I was like, like on the outside, it doesn't look that hard. I'm like, I could do that. And then you get there and you're like, whoa. It's a lot is, harder. <laughs> this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but it, it was an amazing learning experience. So like the two years we, we had before we were acquired, I learned so much, almost like a PhD. I learned so much in how to run a company that I didn't even know before. And so for me, it was just an amazing learning experience. And then going through the, the catalyst was like, hey, we've got 35 some odd customers. We've got amazing products that these folks love, but we don't have liquidity to scale. And so we either need to go to a VC and get a loan or get acquired, right? So oddly enough, in America, if you don't have two years of run book, it doesn't matter how profitable you are. You're not getting a loan. That's not happening. Not, not, a, not a loan of the size that you need to scale, right. right? And so loans are off the table. So we had 20 conversations with VCs. And at the same time, we randomly had three or four companies reach out to us and say, hey, we'd love to, to buy you. Can we hit talk? And so one of the companies was Arise, and which we felt we felt fit us really well culturally because they're a completely remote company. Um, they they only had one physical facility in Miami, and a lot of the philosophies that they had about the future of work and services worked really well with us. Their general culture of, of people first and all that was really important to us. And then we fit a niche that they didn't have. They didn't have consulting. They didn't have gaming, right? And we needed. Uh, a platform which Arise has, which is the Arise platform, um, which I guess goes back to your platform question. I guess you could call that the platform piece, but that's the on-demand customer service game testing differentiation we had. And so we need that platform to scale. And so like, hey, this is a great, great marriage. We should do this. And then I learned about due diligence, which is a, a, whole, a whole other wonderful process. And then I learned about you know the final month to closing, closing, integrating. And now we're actually coming up in four days on our one-year anniversary of acquisition. So I've gone through this entire new learning experience as a founder and as a leader of what it looks like on the other side. And of course, there's going to be things that were amazing and there's going to be learning experiences. I have this, I didn't obviously create this quote, Nelson Mandela did, but I love it. It's, uh, I never lose, I only win, I learn. And that's always been the philosophy of Officium when we sold and Arise Gaming and Consulting now is like we don't get so stuck stuck in the mud about winning and winning and losing, right? We're like we're learning, and and that keeps us moving forward to whether you know you, you never stop, uh, and that's that's always been our, our philosophy as well. Absolutely, I can also share the same thing when I 
I, I used to work for you know, a digital marketing agency as my last, as I call my, when I, when I was last employable. And then I was like, oh, I'll start my own company. It seems so easy. Like, no problem. Like, how hard can it be? Come on. And yeah, yeah definitely. And 10 years later, I mean, still, still a learning experience, still learning. And I, so I can absolutely relate to what you're talking about. And, you know, you, you started a company and, and sold it in a couple of years. And for me, and you know, I'm sure that was a very big learning experience too. But yeah, for me, it's been 10 years and I'm like, wow, probably just scratching the surface here. Probably a lot more to learn um, about, you know, all facets of business, yeah. not just like running a business, but like leadership and running a team and, and hiring and, you know, scale. Yeah. 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 <laughs> absolutely. I can, um, I can absolutely relate to that. Uh, what about any other recent wins besides the acquisition? I mean, I think that, you know, for us, you know, being able to leverage the Arise platform, being able to engage with their their client base and to demonstrate a lot of the value that we have with some of their clients, uh, as well as kind of growing our own business um, has been amazing. We, we now have, you know, folks in you know, India, South Africa, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, and all over the Americas. The Philippines. It's just been fun scaling and growing, not for the sake of like revenue. That's always nice. That's why businesses exist. But we we created a system and Rise exists as well for a similar reason of purpose over profits. Like, what purpose are you bringing um, to your your humankind, right? And you know, when I one of the underlying thoughts behind starting Fistium was I I lived in the back country of Texas growing up. A little city called Jasper, Texas, 7,000 people. And when I graduated high school, um, at another high school not too far from there in Cleveland, I realized that, like, I love tech, but there's no tech jobs. So I have to leave my home. I have to leave my hometown to do something that I'm passionate about. And so, what, one of the reasons I wanted to make a Fissium remote, one of the cool things about Arise being remote, is that you get to provide opportunities for all these people that live all over. They don't live in the tech hubs. So you're essentially decentralizing wealth indirectly by moving economic capability and opportunity to these smaller communities all over, not all over the US, but all over the globe. And so it's really been a big passion of mine. You know, I grew up in a big family below the poverty line and I love tech and, and I wanted to do it and I did it, but I had to live in all the tech hubs. I've lived in four or five tech apps to do it, and I've been successful. But I want other, you know, kids like like me or kids that maybe don't don't look like me but live in the same place as me. You know, I want them to have the same opportunities to like go after their dreams to hang out if they want to hang out with their family and be in their hometown. They could do that too. And so I think the I think it's a win every time somebody gets to live their dream out and still be with their family that they care about, they love about. And they don't have to have like I live. 3,000 miles away from my family, right? It's choice, but it's also opportunities because I love tech. Uh, and so I, I, I think that's a win for me anytime I can do that. It's like, and so the more the more the business grows, then the more that happens. And so that makes it purposeful for me. And I'm all about purpose kind of over profits. And so that's been a big, big win for me to be able to continue to realize that dream of mine. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's definitely been a passion of mine too. 
is that um, we're also, our digital agency is also remote and has been for the last 10 years since the beginning of time. And yeah, it's, and we didn't want it to be that we're only like in Denver or only in a specific location, but we can uh, have a talent pool from all over the world if we want to. It doesn't even have to be the U.S. Um, yeah. And yes, and creating those opportunities for people who might not have those opportunities if they if they were only working for their local community. So I definitely am very passionate about that too. And yeah, we have team members all over the world and I absolutely love that. And I also love the culture piece of it too. It's just that it's not just like, you know, people from Denver, people from Texas or whatever, and it's great and everything. Yeah, but then, yeah, you know, yeah. we have so many cultural conversations um, during our team meetings and they're so interesting, like how people celebrate Christmas and like, what do they do? you know, for the summer yeah. or like, or special foods that they eat, you know, and how, and what do they like to cook? Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. it's so like special to me to hear that and not just be like, oh, you know, this is how we celebrate Christmas, you know, just Christmas tree and, and, you know, ham. <laughs> so. yeah, I, think it's, I mean, I think you're totally right. I mean, one of the coolest things that I've done in the past couple of years is so 2004, I worked for a company called monster.com and we launched an outsourcing division in India. And I worked with a vendor there and I worked with hundreds of people that worked in the in Bangalore in a building there. And one of the coolest things is has been able to hire those people that I worked with 20 years ago, but they get to live wherever they want to live in India because we're a completely kind of remote company. And that's just an example. And I have examples of that in other parts of the US and Europe that I've met people and now I've been able to hire them in. But it's that kind of thing. It's just super rewarding. So I just think it's cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree that it's um it's from you know all over, not just uh, not just in your local community, um but bringing small communities together. Um, awesome. Yeah. So the last question, well, second to last question, I always like to ask our guests is, uh, what is your prediction for the industry? And that could be it's a very loaded question. It could be your industry specifically, customer support. It could be self-driving cars, terraforming Mars, whatever whatever comes to mind. <laughs> I mean, I think what's going to be interesting in the services area, have you, not everybody has, but have you seen Iron Man? No. Okay, so in Iron Man, the main character has a an iron suit, and that suit has an AI in it called Jarvis. And that, Jar that Jarvis AI is essentially a companion for Iron Man. Um, it's very similar to the movie Her, if you've seen the movie Her. It, it has a he had a companion that he talked to and so forth. I think the future of service is going to be a customizable AI that is your companion that you can name that you you know becomes your friend for lack of a better term and helps you with any product issue that you have with that brand. I mean, I could foresee a time where let's say you play a game like Marvel Contest of Champions, which is a popular game now, and your companion, your favorite hero, let's say, is Thor where your companion could look like Thor and it can be a self-learning AI that knows how you play, knows what you need, predicts what you need before you need it. And it's like, it's almost like talking to another human, but it's a, it's a support companion. So instead of you having an issue of contacting support, you have this proactive companion with you all of the time. And what I love about this, this idea is if, if you or I decide, Hey, it's the new year. We're gonna run ten miles a month. We're gonna we're gonna lose whatever it is. You know, it. I always ask people: 
if you buy a dog at the same time that you make that versus not having a dog, who do you think still running or walking 10 miles a day you know, in April or May? It's going to be the person that bought the dog because it's a companion that's going to push them a little bit, right? And so I think the companion, the digital companion in the future of service is not only going to be somebody that's going to be there to help you, but it's going to remind you and push you. And you're going to, you're going to want to play the game or you're going to want to use the product, whatever it is, more because you're like, oh, I have this like, I have this emotional affinity, this need that I, I can't live without this companion, this relationship, and that's going to drive the future of service. It might be 10 years out, it might be 15 years out, but I think that's going to be the future of service and stickiness. So you're envisioning this like support person is going to like help you with all of your support needs? Like, so, yeah. oh, this technology piece is broken. Like, how do I, you know, I have to contact Exactly, 100, 100. You're going to have a digital companion that's going to be for lack of a better term, your best digital friend that's going to help you with all of the problems with all of, with all of your products. Wow, interesting. So it's going to be like your accountability buddy, almost like a dog. But maybe yeah. we'll tell you to walk ten miles a day. You get your ten thousand steps, right? <laughs> yeah, so, something like that. You'll get a buzz and say, "Hey, you haven't used that the product that you love in a while." You're like, oh, I forgot. Okay, all right. Okay, gotta gotta get on it. Gotta get on it. Um, I don't know, something like that. I, I think there's a variation of something like that. It's either that or call centers on the moon. I don't know. Let's see. Um, you think moon first, then Mars, or Mars yeah, first? Probably, then Mars, Mars. probably Mars. Yeah, well, you know, Elon Musk. It, it, it'll have to be localized because of latency if we do it on Mars. So localized call centers on Mars. Okay, okay. So it's only for people who live on Mars. It can't be for yeah, people. Yeah, I, I think that the, the latency, there might be a problem there. Well, you know, with he Elon Musk is building out Mars. There's got to be some really fast connections, you know? I hope. <laughs> I'm 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 hope yeah. Um, awesome. Well, that was a really fun conversation. Thank you so much. Jonathan Schroyer, thank you for being here. And the last question, see, I, I told you that the the prediction yes. question is the second to last. The last question is how can our audiences get in touch with you? I'm on LinkedIn or Twitter. So you can look at my name, Jonathan Schreuer, at Chief CX Officer. If you like a little bit more of a fun thing, I'm on TikTok at Chief Gamer. Uh, but either way, check in with me. I love talking with folks. Awesome. Thanks for the time today, Gina. Gina was great on you. Thank you so much for being here.